hello. Lovely to be back in what I class as my... Shall I start again? Is it on? Can you hear me? Lovely to be back in what I class as my spiritual home, which adds to the nerves. Uh, oh, look. What is going on? Is it about time you got a new one? Right. To make you feel old, it's six years and one month since I left. Yeah? What have you done in that time? Do you feel like I just, I was driving here thinking I've achieved nothing in six years and one month of being in Ogmore Vale. Do you ever feel like that? I'm in one of those uh, frames of mine. Um, right, I got lots of questions tonight to keep you awake. Um, you can shout out answers. Uh, and we're in Ezekiel chapter 1 on the verses that we read. Now, have you, and tonight it's about God's glory and why that matters in December especially. Question number one. Have you ever said God is glorious? Yes. Next question. What did you mean when you said God is glorious? What did you mean? I tell you what I'm learning at the moment. We're not just saved to be saved. We're saved to become worshippers of God. We're not saved for the sake of it, are we? The purpose to tackle sin is that we become free to see something of God and become like Him. Anyway, next question. Have you ever said God is good? Do you mean it? Really mean it? Um, someone said to me recently, the key to obeying God is to really believe that He's good. The key, if only we grasp that. Now, I ask all those questions because it affects why you've come tonight. It affects why I've come tonight. Because if God isn't glorious to you, and he's not really good to you, and when you say those things, you're just saying it because dad says it, mum says it, your brother says it, then I think God is angry about why we're here tonight if we're shortchanging him and we don't really believe that he's glorious. So we're in this area tonight. I'm going to ask you a question now. Uh, you don't have to answer this one. You can ask it, answer it in your heart. Is God good or do you view him as an ogre that will be angry at you if you weren't here tonight? You stew on that one. Next one. Do you sometimes read your Bible and come to church, not because God is good and glorious, but to get him off your back and the sense of guilt if you don't do it? Okay? Why have we been made? Now let me read Ephesians chapter 1. Listen to this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And a few verses later it says this. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his, what? Glory. The Bible says, if you're a Christian tonight, you've been saved to the praise of his glory. Now, do you ever feel like i got to do stuff in church just to keep it up? And my faith, which was once so liberating, 
I'm now feeling like it's just homework dumped on me. Right? That's the area we're in. Bart Simpson says this, religious people suck up to God. In other words, they turn up on a Sunday to keep God's ego inflated because if we don't do that, we're going to feel guilty and he's going to get angry and his ego will deflate. So we come here and we puff him up to keep him happy and him off our backs. That's Bart Simpson's theology. It might be near the knuckle, actually, to some people here. What's missing there? God's glory. And if we don't have a sense of his glory, we will not worship. Not in Town Hill, not tonight, not in Ogmore Vale. And if we don't worship, we're not a church. That's all we can do, is it? Worship. Now, I married uh, like six years or something. Five and a half. Um, if Rita's got no glory for me, like I can tidy the house, but it's just to get her off my back. If Rita's got no glory for me, then I can do the dishes and babysit. No, I don't babysit because they're my children as well. Whatever it's called. Like look after the children. Or I can watch Call the Midwife. And I do that not because she's glorious to me, but to keep her off my back. See the difference if she lacks glory. Oh, hang on. Where's my drink? Excuse me. Since the children went back to school in September, it's been curtains for my health. So I got a bit of a cold at the moment. My marriage won't be any better if I do the dishes and watch Call a Midwife just to keep her off my back. And I'll risk her saying to her friends or people in church, Owen gets things done around the house, but there's no love. There's no glory. If church has got no sense of glory, we'll be here tonight, but you'd rather be at home. You will say to lost people, and believe me, people say this in our church in the valley, come to Jesus for joy. Repent of your sins. We've got something more, and we're lying. And we'd rather be in sin, secretly deep down, because that brings us more joy. And one day, we risk hearing the words from the Father. You've got stuff done in church, but you never knew me. You risk hearing the words, there was no love between us. Owen, you can cast out demons in my name. Your colleagues can run Sunday school. You can have people over for coffee and pastor them. But it was all just to suck up, to keep God off my back. And it's a God I never ended up even knowing, because there's no glory. So of all that out the way, I'm now going to ask some more questions. What then is it to be saved for God's glory, if that's our aim tonight? And now we get a bit technical, but it's important. In the Old Testament, the word for glory or honor is the same root word as another word, which is heaviness, okay, or weight. So here's a test. In 1 Samuel 4.18, the word glory is used. Eli falls off his chair because he was old and... Heavy, right, that's the glory word, the weighty part of him, okay? Next te technical bit, it's also linked to worth. So Eli's glory was his stomach, the thing that defined him, what he was about. 
Now, and in the Bible, this extends to like brains and good looks. So when I was growing up, we watched Countdown. Carol Vorderman's glory was her brain. Yeah, do you remember Carol Vorderman? When I was growing up, all the girls fancied Brad Pitt. Why? Because his glory was his face. Lovely face, yeah. And Reese likes Kevin Costner. His glory is his face. Understand? In fact, I was in Subway the other day queuing up for a baguette, and there was a woman staring at me. It doesn't happen often. And I was trying to talk to my friend, but she kept staring at me. And it was getting really awkward. And I had my wedding ring on and everything, but she was looking and looking and looking. I was like, flip, what am I supposed to do here? Anyway, I looked behind me. There was a guy who looked just like Brad Pitt, and she was staring at him. I was like, oh, yeah, I get it now. He's glorious. Look at him. That's the root word often to glory. It also means this, what someone most treasures, the, their glory. Now, when I was growing up, I bought an album by a rapper called 50 Cent. You heard of him? Yeah. His album was called Get Rich or Die Trying. And for 50 Cent, money is his glory, his weight, his substance. Incidentally, last year, he filed for bankruptcy. He did. That's why in the Bible we get warnings about some glories. Psalm 49 says this, Do not be afraid when one becomes rich, when the glory of his house is increased. For when he dies, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. The women in our church just read about Timothy about not living for pearls, but a more weighty glory, holiness. Now, um, some glories die. What happened in 1996 in Hlanishan High School? Don't you know? Don't you know? Well, I will tell you. There was a boy a year older than me. And I'll just give his initials because this is being recorded. D. That's one initial. That'll do. D. His glory was his fists. And he was known as the hardest boy in Hlanishan High School. And by the way, Cardiff High Schools are harder than Swansea High Schools. So this is no small thing. He was hard. And he went round beating people up. And I was his friend. Yeah, you got to get in with him. He beat people up. So everybody was talking about his defining feature, his fist. He was laying people out. D. He was a legend. And then, in year, and then, in year eight, he got into girls. So his second defining feature, first was that he was really tough. Second, that he got all the girls. Right. In year nine, he got into drugs. Boy, did his glory go before him. Everyone was talking about him. And in year nine, he took an overdose and he died. And now his glory's forgotten. And not one of you have heard of him. You only live 50 miles up the road. But he lived for it. He was the talk of the town. And now, no one in Lanishan High School even knows who he is. He was a legend. I bet his mum still knows about him. 
when she flicks through the photo albums and looks at her little baby boy. But soon, she'll be gone as well. And the whole generation of that glory goes because all glories except one evaporates, fades, and dies, and will fall like bricks back on our heads if we get it wrong. Sin makes us stupid and makes us live for other lesser glories than the ones that we should be living for. I was going to tell you some of the talk of the town in Ogmore Vale at the moment. It's so stupid. In fact, I will. If you go to Ogmore Vale, the talk of the valley is that Smithy has sold his house. <laughs> what? So I'm going around telling people about a carol service. We've let me tell you about Jesus and what the incarnation means. All right, Owen, yeah, but Smithy sold his house. All right, yeah, but the incarnate, no, Smithy. Let me tell you what this means for the Bible. You're so stupid. Do you know what other people talk about and live for in Ogmore Vale? Anton Deck, it's the talk of the valley. Facebook, gossiping in the pubs. And they will not live for anything what the Darts League and Ogmore Vale Rugby Club. You've never even watched Dogmore Vale Rugby Club. But we're going around telling them about an eternal glory and they just want to live for Dogmore Vale Rugby Club. There's a tragedy here, isn't there? Sin makes us stupid. Now, God's weight, substance, and glory is eternal. And this is where Bart Simpson's theology falls apart. Because God is eternal, glorifying God can't be that we come here to inflate his ego because he's already full. We don't expand him when we sing hymns. We don't tell him things he doesn't know. We don't keep him off our back. Bad Simpson was, Bart Simpson was bad at Hebrew here. He is full. We don't suck up. Some of you might be, but you got it wrong. We come here tonight telling a maximum super overflowing glorious God who he is he fills all things we to quote the bible ascribe greatness to the king he's already full now just pause there sorry I have a cold my church needs to hear more of that before we get all evangelistic, we need to pause and worship. Do you? Like we're not doing God a favor being here tonight. He's full. And we're not. He's doing us a favor. Do you believe that? Do you believe this? Flippant people need to see how big and glorious God is. The world needs to see that the God they make fun of is a full warrior God. And the Bible says he flattens enemies and makes them his footstool. Do you want to grow spiritually today and in 2018? The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God that's lacking in Ogmore Vale Church 
So that's what ascribing glory means generally, sort of. But now, the remaining question is this. What is the glory of God? If that's what it is and what we're supposed to be doing, what is it? What is the glory of a triune God? Owen, help us out. If we're supposed to be praising him, tell us about it. Well, now there's Ezekiel, chapter 1. He has a vision of the glory of God. We read it, and he speaks of the God's glory as a person and as a light. A person and as a light. Now, let me just give it to you again. Shake it up. And above the firmament over their heads was the likeness of a throne. In appearance like a sapphire stone on the likeness of the throne was the likeness with the appearance of a man high above it. Also from the appearance of his waist and upward I saw as it were the color of amber with the appearance of fire all around it. And from the appearance of his waist downward I saw as it were the appearance of a fire with brightness all around. On the throne of God tonight is a figure like that of a man and he looks like a fire. So here it is. Let me give you a pop quiz. God's glory is like a bright light. Okay, that's one thing, a bright light. You see it all over the place in Ezekiel and Isaiah, but here's some interesting things. In Psalm 19, just bear with me now as he teases this out, the Redeemer is described in Psalm 19 and he's described as a sun, S-U-N, that every day rises like a bridegroom to chase away darkness. Every morning, the sun is preaching the gospel about the Redeemer who chases away the darkness of night. Okay? Now, here's the quiz. Finish this off. Luke 2, 8 to 9. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. One more, Matthew 17, 2. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone, shone, like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. We praise the God of glory, and God goes out of his way to picture for us that his glory is like a light who chases away dark, frightening, evil things. You say, oh, and that's not very practical. Yeah, but it is. Because every day I encounter darkness within and without, and I need a hero. And Ogmore Vale needs a hero. My God chases away nasty things that would frighten the children here half to death if they ever came face to face with it. Um, I don't have strong views on Halloween. I'm not one of those pastors. But this year, the door went about 150 times because they know where I live, all the kids that come to club. And, um, and in the end, I switched the lights off and hid. Do you do that? Yeah, pretend you're not there. But loads of them were dressed as demons, darkness, ghouls, ghosts of the night, 
And I was thinking at the door, like in my pastorate and Christian life, I've only encountered real darkness a handful of times. But it's frightening. And if those little children ever came face to face with just what I've experienced, which is very small, they would run for their lives petrified. But my God crushed that power of darkness. He's light. And those children need to meet him, don't they? I was called to a house a few streets up from me a few months ago. There's a history of darkness there where people perform black magic and Ouija, which is massive in my valley. This black magic ritual led to someone's head being severed off in a ritual. And I was called in to help. Do you know what my prayer was as I left that tangibly dark, evil place? I thank you, Lord, that you're light. Light. That's what this valley needs. Good light. And I'm going home to a wife who's in the light. And to two little boys who I'm praying, Lord, that your light will shine in their hearts. Light, you're good. Their eyes sparkle. Gospel eyes sparkling. Thank you, Lord, for light. And this church should not be a place of burden and homework, like we're married to an angry husband, we're keeping off our back. It should be a place of light for this valley. Oh, no, we're not in a valley. We're on top of one, a hill. But only if you're in the light. Otherwise, all you've got to offer is homework and burdens. Uh, what's his name? Sibs, the Puritan, says, Birds sing in the sun. But sinners only sing when they're in the light. God's glorious way made its way to Ephesus. Remember that? For you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Children of darkness become children of light when his light reaches us. And that's our prayer this December. Even in judgment, he's light. Because he's banishing darkness forever. And so we're called to praise that. And we don't do enough. We don't do it enough. God is a beautiful, pulsating light. And then the second thing Ezekiel saw. Let's hammer this home. And we'll be done. God's glory is also like a man. Let the Bible put it another way. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. The sun, S-O-N, is the radiance of God's glory. God's glory is Trinitarian. Don't ever separate it. The Father's light, his weight of glory, is Jesus. And God is not an egomaniac looking in the mirror waiting for you all to just praise him or he gets angry. He is a sharer of himself. A giver in his heart. You want to know the Father? 
You've got to look at the Son, Jesus says. And so we look at him as we wrap all this up. Jesus is the weight of glory. And the Father shared him with us. Like my son, even when it's cold, I don't let him out the house. He might get ill. He might get in some danger. I got two. My sons. They might get in some danger, but he shared the son with people like us. I don't even let my out in the cold. But he let him come to Jerusalem, the place of the skull. Is the father a big head who loves praise? No. He's a giver. He's a servant at heart. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. And what do we see? He's full of grace and truth. At my book launch, thank you for coming, the two of you. Joking. I said this. The more I, I quoted someone who said this. The more I learn of human nature, the more I love my dog. I get it. But he should say this. The more I learn of human nature, the more I love Jesus. Because he's better than my dog. He was sinless. He was light. I got a friend that says to Muslims, let's just picture a minute that you're right, okay, and Jesus wasn't God, and Jesus is in hell because he was a fraud. What I know of Jesus, I'd want to be in hell with him, worshipping him, rather than in Allah, in heaven, with your Allah of the Quran. He's just better. So there'd be a group of us all in hell, worshipping Jesus from what we know of him. We'd rather go there. Why? He is good. Jesus was the good light. Now let me apply this to us, everyday life. I never made it to sixth form. I accidentally left before that. I went back years later. But I am told... Uh, there are prefects in sixth form. Do they still have those? Yeah. Um, some prefects, I'm told, are rather priggish. Do you know what that means? No. Self-righteously, moralistic, superior, that kind of thing. And they walk around the school, oh, no, no, I've got to put that in the bin. You know that kind of guy? You, you were, some of you were prefects, were you? Um, they hold to the laws more strictly than the headmaster sometimes. Everyone, everyone wants to beat them up. Those sort of pre uh, prefects. But the tragedy is often the more religious people become, the less human they are. If you notice that, the more religious they become, the less human they are. But with Jesus, it says in the Gospels that sinners loved his company. That's the glory of God. Jesus is more glorious than any other person that you know or invest your life in. Now, let me make this rather controversial. Do you believe this? In Jerusalem about 2,000 years ago, well in Israel, there was a man born who was a very, very man. His name was Jesus. Do you believe this? That as he grew up, he would have had a very human sex drive. He would have. He's a man. But girls were safe with him. Now, a lot of men fall in this area. Half the church probably are guilty in this. But if you had a mobile phone, you wouldn't have been sexting. He was good. If you gave Jesus a job, 
he would have done it properly. If you gave Jesus a job to do over a long period of time, his standards wouldn't slip. If Jesus had a building like this, he would look after it. If he had a home and a family, he'd be there for them. He is fully human, but he was one solid block of purity. Do you believe that when you look at the glory of the God-man? That's the kind of glory that Ogmore Vale needs and Town Hill needs too. Do not become so religious you're useless to your most closest friends and family. He was light and on his hard work and sinless resolve we place our hope on him because I have failed. Have you failed? But on Christ the solid rock we stand. The good man. We stand on his hard work and goodness. This is no small thing. The glory of God stepped into darkness. I was thinking the other day, if I was God, I wouldn't save pedophiles. I wouldn't save Muslims. I wouldn't save proud people. I wouldn't save anyone apart from myself. Is it? I don't go anywhere near those people. I don't like them. But Isaiah 53 says, the glory of God became numbered with the transgressors. Uh, I heard this story once. It's true. There was a medical patient uh, who missed his a student. No, sorry, a medical student. He missed his morning lecture. Overslept. Classic student. And, but in those days, if you missed the morning one, you could go to the evening class. And it just so happens, and I'll abbreviate this because there are little years, um, the evening class was about STDs. Not if you know what I'm talking about. Okay. Anyway. So we rushed in, and that particular session was on VD, uh, venereal disease. And in the evening, you have people there who have the disease that you work on, and you get to know it's part of the evening class. Anyway, he runs into his uh, evening lecture, and there's a massive queue of people with VD waiting to see the doctors and the medical students. But this medical student rushed in last and went to the front of the queue to see the lecturer. Well, one of them shouts from the queue, Oi, get to the back of the queue. You can wait with the rest of us to see and have your problem solved. And he said this, At that moment, he shrank at the thought of being associated with one of those. He said, I'm not, I'm not one of you. I don't have an STD. I'm a medical student. The humiliation but Jesus does that. When he took humanity upon himself, he associated himself with us, with you and with me, with VD patients, with ISIS bombers, with pedophiles, with Muslims, with the proud, and hallelujah, with me. Why? So he can liberate the human race to worship a greater glory than sin. And he triumphs for them. He didn't need to do it for himself. He did it for humans like us. That's why December is glorious. Look at him at work. 
What do you see when you look at Jesus on planet earth? Not a proud, selfish, divine glory. He's kind. In John 2, Jesus reveals his glory by turning water into wine and putting smiles on people's faces at a party. When his friend died, he cried because he loved his friend so much. And he raised him from the dead. And he promises to do to all of his friends. And if you want to taste and praise the glory of God tonight, or if you've had no idea what I'm talking about, or if you're miles away from where you should be, the answer is quite simple. You need to meet the man, the glorious man. No one comes to the Father except through him. Now, I will say one thing about C.S. Lewis, and then I'll say about two more things, and then we'll go. C.S. Lewis said this, he used to get really annoyed when he read the Psalms because the Psalms kept telling him to praise God, praise God, praise the Lord, praise God. And he wrote in his journal, I'm getting really miffed at being told to praise. I don't want to. Stop telling me to. And then he wrote this. Then it clicked. The most obvious part of praise escaped him. He thought it was in terms of giving compliments and approval but he never noticed that true enjoyment spills out into praise. That's why if you get a girly friend, you talk about her to your mates. You can't keep it in. It spills out. And it's as if the praise is incomplete unless it spills out. So you praise him. You praise the girl, you look at her hair, and oh, she's so lovely, and the way she eats her food, and all that stuff. And if you like um, books, bookworms, what do they do? They talk about books. And if you like wine, you, you're a wine lover, and you talk about wine, you just tell your friends about If you like walking in the countryside, you, you praise the country, if you like all that stuff, you talk about it. Because it's frustrating if you can't express the praise. The praise fulfills the enjoyment. Now, this is my favorite thing about the glory of God, which leads to my enjoyment. And when God tells me to praise him, I say, yeah, okay, I get it. And this needs to be your hope too. Are you ready? This is the best thing, in my opinion, about the glory of God. In John chapter 12, Jesus says this, The hour of, has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. So here we have the glory of God who's about to do something glorious and he's about to be glorified. And then he says this, A grain of wheat or a grain must fall to the ground and die. And Hebrews 9 says, there's a place where he offered himself up in the spirit. We call it the place of the skull, the dark place, outside the city where the lost things roamed, where darkness, devilish, demonic sin held sway. And it's here where we see most clearly the glory of God. And we say this as a group of believers tonight. Jesus was slain for me at Calvary. Where my darkness 
and worship of lesser lights and sin and everything that I am was placed on him and everything that he is was placed on me and the glory of the light of the God man came on Owen Bastone in February 2004 and I've been absolutely useless as a Christian ever since but the light was given to me what's your story of this I'm sure now let me quote some words which resonate deeply with my heart's and yours too. His sufferings, especially in the three hours of darkness on the cross, he plumbed the depths of human anguish and misery, of physical, emotional, and spiritual distress and pain, the like of which are only known and experienced in hell. Only darkness surrounded this light yet for him since he was altogether without sin the misery and suffering was necessarily greater than that of damned human beings he drank the very dregs of the bitter cup of divine wrath upon sin and we touch here on one of the most profound realities that can ever be considered. And while much will remain a mystery, we can just articulate it slightly tonight and praise by saying, bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a saviour. The light is slain. And by his stripes, we are healed. In 1863, during the Civil War, General Stonewall Jackson was accidentally shot by his own troops. And because he was such a legend, his body was laid in the capital in Richmond, Virginia, for two days before the funeral took place. And tens of thousands of mourning Confederate soldiers went to see him, and they crowded into the Capitol building to look on, his, on their beloved leader one last time upon his corpse. And then, as the sun was setting, so I read, on the last day of viewing, the marshal gave orders for the great doors of the Capitol building to be shut. The Senate chamber doors were closed. Just before they were closed, though, this old army Confederate veteran pushed his way through the crowd, looking rough, tattered gray uniform, rushed to the front with tears running down his cheeks. And he said, let me see my army general one last time. But the marshal was insistent that we're closing now, and he turned the old guy away. But then the army veteran lifted up his shirt sleeves and his top and revealed wounds and his left arm was missing, and he held it up, and he said, by the stump of my left arm, which I gave for my country, serving my general, I demand to see my general one last time. And the governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia, it's an amazing story, overheard him, and said this, open the door. He has one entrance by his wounds. And there came a day when heaven's gates were open for sinners. And the father said to the son who led them there, who was now wounded but risen, 
open the doors. Let him in. He has one entrance by his wounds and he's brought children of darkness who are now children of light with him. And we praise his glory and we boast in the cross. I hope you have a Merry Christmas and enjoy looking at what the incarnate Lord is really like. He's a good God, he's light, and he's glorious. For his name's sake, amen.